This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Harbor Church, and welcome back to Harbor at Home. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. Harbor at Home is a time where we as a church meet in a small group settings, typically in a home, to worship and glean from God's word. So truly welcome. Today, we are continuing in our series that is titled Counter Culture. I don't know about you, but every single message that came from this series has been a gentle yet convicting reminder of who we are as the body of Christ on earth. So in the same theme, I want us to look this morning at the heart of God within the conversation on bridging the gap on race relations. Now, I understand for some messages like this may be difficult to sit with, but it doesn't negate its importance to God and the gospel of Christ. Harbor family, we have the beautiful and hard task of having these conversations first amongst ourselves safely, then bringing this healing countercultural message to the world on how Jesus has a redemptive purpose when it comes to race relations. My goal is for us to see how our biblical values and attitudes can aid in building this bridge to close the gap on how we relate as people of different backgrounds. You know, if you're exhausted from talking and hearing about this topic, I have a confession for you. I am too. And I think part of this exhaustion for us who know the truth is because the reality of our present and the reality of heaven are not yet congruent. And God and his sovereignty has called upon you and me as his church to work diligently on making it congruent until he returns. Now, bridging the gap on race relations first requires us to pause, then reflect on the gap. Before we can even talk about the bridge, which we know is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus, we must first look at the gap. We don't want to build in vain. Questions come up such as, is there even a gap? Do we need to talk about the gap? Maybe less talking and more doing. How big is the gap? Is this going to take a long time? Was the gap always there or did something happen to make the the gap bigger or smaller? If the gap is small, do we even need to talk about it? And on and on. So I would like to offer a few numbers and historical facts with you to put the gap in perspective in proper context. As I read the following information, the enemy, who is the accuser, may come to whisper lies of blame and lack of identity in your ears. But I want you to oppose those accusations and hear this with a heart that knows you are loved by God and that we are called to be each other's protectors. I want you to hear it from the standpoint of victory and God's redemption. Ready? We're doing this together. Here's the undeniable reality based in history. 
the ghastly fact is for 246 years, one group of human beings in the United States, black people, were enslaved against their will and abhorrently brutalized, causing approximately 60 million deaths. We know about the Holocaust, and because it's well studied, we naturally spit off the statistics of this horrible event, how many lives were lost and so forth. So for comparison's sake of these two inhumane moments in our lifetimes, the Holocaust span of time was five years, and the lives that were lost were approximately 1.5 million Jewish lives. In comparison, to enslavements of black people, which lasted 246 years, and 60 million blacks lost their lives. Simply speaking, black people were created by God to bear his image like everyone else on earth. These people had hopes, they had dreams, they had a right to freedom. They were moms, dads, children, teenagers, grandmothers, grandfathers, uncles, business-minded people, creative people. But for a span of three centuries, they were not given that God-given right to be free. And it's because another image bearer, another people group, dominated over them and partnered with the real enemy of our souls, with what we know to be called racism which is a belief that one race is superior to another race, therefore have the right to dominate over inferior races. And that simple belief, as we've seen in our lifetime, has mutated itself into a lot of different forms of harm. Because the root of racism is evil, we as disciples of Jesus should have nothing to do with anything related to racist beliefs. Ephesians 5 verse 11, it tells us to take no part in the worthless, the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. So an important factor of how we build this bridge is on how we expose the truth of Jesus to this lie of racism. It's evil. We need to speak truth to lies and we need to shine the light in those dark places in our hearts and to those around us. It's important for us to know these numbers in order to help us conceptualize what people with American black heritage experienced, endured, and many were, su were successful in surviving. So are you still hanging with me? Because I have some more numbers I would like to share with you. We have to know why there is a gap to begin with. So here's my last set of numbers which highlights how far we move we are from these horrible events. A lot of people argue about this, but fortunately, history leaves us with records on these numbers. So for comparison's sake again, the Holocaust occurred 70 years ago. It's not as cut and dry to see how far removed we are from race relations in the United States because freedom for blacks came in progression. It came in phases. And unlike the Jewish people, after being freed, they had fairly immediate restitution and greater opportunities to safely rebuild their lives. For blacks, physical freedom did not immediately equate legal or social freedoms. 
So how far removed are we? We are in 2022. Blacks were freed from involuntary enslavement 156 years ago. Legalized racism ended 100 years ago. And basic civil rights were restored to blacks a mere 56 years ago. And now we're here, reckoning with the aftermath of centuries worth of pain, issues, and tensions that occurred specifically between these two majority people, black and white. Imagine with me, only 56 years ago, segregation and integration were huge topics and were widely being argued across our nation, radios, workplaces, and homes if it should happen or not. We have grandparents who remembered the separation between white and blacks in the water fountains and in the public pools. This is the gap. We are building a bridge over it. This is the gap. Now, we have come a long way in these last 56 years. We've made great progress and strides in acknowledging the past and making wrong, making wrong things right again and learning the beauty of forgiveness in order to grow and heal. The gap is closing, but still the impact of three centuries worth of tension still reverberates in hearts, values, and beliefs, even if it's not overt. And we watch how the world sometimes wrestles with this. This is why the church entering this conversation and offering the world a godly perspective and solution will build this bridge and will strongly reunite us. So that's the gap. But let's talk about the bridge this morning. So turn with me to Matthew 6, verse 9 and 10. We find Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And it reads, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I think of that last part of this verse, on earth as it is in heaven, and I hold it up to our earthly reality of racial discord, contentions, blame shifting, unforgiveness, hurt, and a lot of pain, we see how we can exact the gospel on earth right now within this conversation. When it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it makes me wonder what is happening in heaven where it comes to multicultural groups of people. God, thankfully, has left us clues on how heaven looks and feels like. And in heaven, the nations are diverse. They are distinct. They do not all look the same or even sound the same. Yet they reflect the heart of God and they are all one and they are in harmony. It's presented as if it's a kaleidoscope. As image bearers of God, they reflect a different part of God. Yet no one dominates over another. In heaven, as we know, the sole focus and admiration is on God. But the people are diverse, yet they are in harmony as they worship the true and living King. And so, church, it should be on earth as it is in heaven, like Jesus told us to pray. We can read this in Revelation uh, 7, verse 9. It reads, After I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe, 
and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. This reality, church, is what I think Jesus means when he tells his disciples, pray that whatever is happening in heaven is reflected back to earth. In church, it starts with us and it's released through us if we are diligent to be obedient to Christ. One way that we can bridge the gap on race relations is 100% through prayer. It's through dropping our egos and being humble before God and each other and praying God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, a group can be diverse yet harmonious. If you can turn with me to Galatians 3 verse 26, it reads, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if you have said yes to Jesus, you are baptized in faith through him. You're considered a child of God. And we see it clearly in this verse, Galatians 3, verse 26, that if you're a children of God through faith, you are, you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all equal. So over and over, we see this theme of oneness. You just hear it all over the Bible. One, you are one with Christ. So under the banner of Christ, no matter how different we may be, no matter how we enter into the kingdom of God, as soon as you become a born again believer, you are seen as one and the same. That's it. No matter how diverse we are, we are equal in the eyes of God. For example, you came into the kingdom as a rich man or woman, and another came in as a poor man or woman. In the eyes of Christ, you are both known equally as beloved son and daughter because of Jesus. You came into God's kingdom as an Indian person, a black person, a white person, you name it. As soon as you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your title is no greater than the person next to you. And so that's how we should view each other as Christians. Church, we should daily strive towards this godly and countercultural perspective. There's a song lyric that says the ground is level at the foot of the cross, meaning to negatively discriminate against any two people in the kingdom of God is futile and can be a little bit comical since everyone is seen as equal to God. In the book of James, he corrects the church's practice of discrimination. So this is nothing new under the sun. So let's turn to James 2 verse 9. James corrects the church by saying, if you favor one person over another, you're sinning. And this law convicts you of being disobedient. So my question is, how can we resolve this? So James 2 verse 8 gives us the answer. He writes, you are doing right if you obey this law from the highest authority. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I'm going to say it again. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I love how James says this is the law from the highest authority, 
which means we have state laws, we have federal laws, and we have God's law, which is our highest authority that we should follow. And it implores us to love each other as we love ourselves and obviously as we love God. Finally, another angle of race relation is maybe maybe seeing the other as the enemy, the cause of all bad things. The Apostle Paul writes to the church and we could find this. um, It says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If your enemies are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome with good. Overcome racism with good. Overcome racial discrimination with good. Overcome prejudice with good. That is another building block in bridging the gap. You see a hole in race relations, you overcome this with good. Lastly, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love, church, is our highest law and the most used tool in bridging this gap. Church, our countercultural stances when it comes to bridging this gap of race relations is humility and prayer and an overabundance of God's love. And the practical way of getting from point A, where we are now, to point B, where we want to be, is through the bridge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we know speaks, um, speaks to us of first acknowledgement, confession, repentance, forgiveness, and redemption. So in a few minutes, you'll see some reflection questions to continue the conversation within your small group. I'm praying your conversation is full of grace and love and respect. Have a great Sunday and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.